Okay, so a doctor goes and prescribes somebody a testosterone shot every two or three weeks. They go fill that prescription at the pharmacy. Does the pharmacist catch that? Because they should know better, right? They should know the half-life of testosterone recipient. Yeah, right. go, you know, this isn't really the right way to take this. They don't. That's the mind-blowing part because any other medication, they would pick it up immediately. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. When it comes to hormone optimization, one-size-fits-all approaches and over-reliance on standardized labs are definitely not the answer. In this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show, I chop it up with Dr. Jordan Grant. Dr. Grant is a board-certified urologist with more than 12 years of experience treating conditions like testicular dysfunction, hypogonadism, and testicular hypofunction. He's also the owner of Grant Hormone and Wellness. And in today's conversation, we cover a wide range of topics around men's health. Dr. Grant shares his insights on why mainstream medicine often falls short in addressing crucial aspects of our well-being, the lessons learned early on that ignited his passion for hormone optimization, and his trial and error approach to finding what works best for his clients. We also talk about why labs are not the end-all be-all for optimizing hormones, whether lifestyle interventions are enough to actually boost testosterone levels his philosophy on prescribing peptides and why he's not a fan of weight loss drugs. Finally, we touch on urination frequency and why getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom may actually be perfectly healthy. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Jordan Grant. Dr. Grant, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show. Great to have you here, my friend. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an honor. Um, you are a specialist in, in men's health and hormone health, hormone optimization, and anything that we can do to continue to educate our audience. And I think it's, you know, I think it's really important. This, this show is not just about serving men. It's certainly about serving women as well. But I think that everyone needs to be in the know around hormonal health. And I think there's a lot of uh, correlational factors in terms of the way that we look at men's health, it's not unreasonable to also consider looking at women's health the same, just in terms of a lot of the nuances. And I know that you're, you know, I would like to talk about your background and how you got into the position that you are today, because as I understand it, um, you just recently started your own uh, health clinic. Stop me if I ramble, but yeah, I mean, we were trained, formerly trained urologists, my wife and I both. Um, you know, I went to med school later in life when I was 27 and did a four years there, five year uh, residency in urology. And then we practiced for seven years as your general urologists. But my passion was always hormones. It was since I've been, I don't know, 17, probably, you know, got into anabolics and all that stuff back then. And so that was always in the back of my mind. I got on TRT at 34. So I was about uh, three years into my residency. I got on TRT and just, I just knew one day that's what I wanted to really focus on was men's health, hormonal optimization. And I've always been a meathead when it comes to working out and all that. So it sort of blends together naturally. Um, you know, we got tired of the, the medical field as it is. Uh, there's nothing really about health uh, in mainstream medicine. Right. Um, 
It's very reactive. And um, so I got tired of that. And there were a lot of factors that went into that. But we, yeah, we basically, on August 1st, we gave our notice to the hospital that we would be leaving and opening our own private practice, uh, just focusing on hormone health, wellness, sort of holistic type approach. Because, you know, I, the hormones are just sort of, for me, it's sort of the vehicle to talk to people about their overall health. Um, sure. So that's how I'm seeing it now. And I'm loving it so far. I've been doing it about, I guess, about six weeks doing mainly telemedicine and yeah, just focusing on hormones. And then I get to dive in with, well, you know, what are you eating? What are you, how are you yeah. training? You know, what's your, what's your stress level? How's your marriage? I mean, it becomes sort of this total person thing uh, instead of just doing the way most practitioners do, where it's just, you're in, you're out, you get a prescription, you leave. Um, so that's, in a nutshell, that's what we're doing right now. So we started, yeah, Grant Hormone and Wellness. And um, my and wife. That's you and your wife? That's right. Yeah. She'll, that's amazing, she'll, man. Yeah, Congrats. Thank you. She's doing the females and I'll, I'll take the guys. So. That's super exciting. So <laughs> I'm curious because you mentioned, you know, always kind of being a quote unquote meathead. Um, so you're in good company there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, growing up, lifting weights, starting to experiment with anabolics, um, going on testosterone at a relatively young age. I guess, what were some of the lessons that you learned early on that particularly interest you around hormone optimization, especially at a time when um, testosterone replacement was somewhat taboo? Um, what were some of the kind of ahas or lessons that you gleaned early on that maybe started, got you thinking more progressively about hormone optimization? That's a great question, man. I mean, you could go down so many rabbit trails with that. You know, when I I was always one of these, I want to know, I want to learn, I want to know what I'm doing. So even when I was, you know, 17, the internet was, that was 97, right? Right. So they're still started. pretty fresh. Yeah. And, you know, you see the guys doing some cycles, blowing up in high school, and you're just kind of like, oh, that's cool. But I was never one of, I'm going to just take something and not know what I'm doing. So I got online and I mean, I remember for months and months and months just researching everything I could, whatever was available at the time, actually, which wasn't a lot, but there were some decent websites, you know, dedicated to that stuff. So I learned everything I could before I ever took anything. And that was one kind of aha moment because so many of my friends or buddies or acquaintances, especially once you get into college, they don't have a clue what they're taking. They're just like, right. yeah, I just take three CCs a day. And it's like, okay, of what, you know, <laughs> and why are you doing that? What's the reasoning? And so, you know, I at least knew what I was taking. I didn't know as much as I know now. Um, and so that piqued my interest to know more and try to do it right. And then as you do it, you start learning real quick when you're on a lot of the bodybuilding forums about injection frequency and trying to keep things a little more stable. And so you do pick up this stuff. And then when you get into medical school, there's no teaching on hormones at all. Right. I mean, you get the basic pathways that everybody can get any, you know, whatever. But once you start treating people, let's say like in residency, we'd get our own clinic uh, that was over, you know, a doctor would oversee it, but we'd get to treat patients and I would start doing TRT. And, you know, first I'd at least get people on once a week injections instead of the typical every two week thing. Right. And then when I started TRT, it was like twice a week. I knew that from my own experience. And so I started doing that more and more with patients and seeing how much better they would feel when you stabilize those levels. And my peers would just look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what are you doing? That's not what the textbook says. And so right. like, I don't care because I've been there, done that with this stuff in the past and I'm doing it now. And this is what works. And so I think it was a progressive thing over time. And I'm, I mean, I'm still learning up to now by, from my patients. They teach me yeah. so much by what they're doing, what they change and modulate, and they get better this way. And it's like, none of this is textbook. It's really just, 
And that's why I harp on the trial and error side of things. And I, I know a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that. They'd rather have a, they want data, they want a book, they want something just to tell them what to do. Yeah. And it doesn't work like that. It's the same thing in your world with yeah. whether it's nutrition. I mean, yes, the general picture, calories in, calories out, weight train, yes, but individual wise and how you get them there and what works best is gonna is gonna change person to person for a lot of different things. Um, and so that's that's been my biggest, I think, learning experience was just learning from my patients, learning from myself what to do, what not to do, trying, you know, getting on TRT and then taking an aromatase inhibitor for years and feeling like crap and not knowing why. Until one day I was like, I'm just, I think I saw a video where somebody was talking about estradiol and the importance of it. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Stopped my aromasin and started feeling better. And I was like, okay, light bulb moment a little bit, but I wasn't quite there yet. And then as time went on, I really took a deep dive into that topic. And so um, anyway, just I've learned a lot as the years go by. None of it is from really textbook learning at all. I mean, I have looked into research papers on the estradiol topic, and that's why we we put out a video on that on the TRT and hormone sure. optimization page. So, but yeah, lots of, lots of life lessons from, from dabbling myself. It's interesting how much we know uh, about nutrition, health, fitness, hormone optimization from the bodybuilder community that is so far ahead of the evidence-based community. And, and I think this is just the nature of the beast, right? I mean, you know, look at research. Um, there's a lot of problems that we have obviously with with research but the, you know the main problem is that it's just in order to do it effectively um it's going to be slow and so we're learning these things light years ahead of time just anecdotally and it certainly sounds like the case with you with your existing practice now just what you've learned from yourself from your clients over the years just like you would learned you know kind of in the gym growing up from these you know, bodybuilders is like, they're doing things that are so far ahead of, of yeah. what general practitioners even understand. They don't, they don't get it at all. And it's the same on the nutrition side. I mean, I can remember being stopped in the hospital by some hospitalists and, you know, asking like, you know, Hey, you're in shape. Like what, what do you do? And I right. tell them about my workout routine and then my diet and their eyes glaze over and you can tell they don't have a clue what I'm talking about. No. It's like, you're a doctor. And you don't have a clue about this stuff. And that just, people don't think they realize that. I mean, a lot of people do in our world, they realize that MDs don't really know a lot about that side of things. And what's frustrating is that they will still tell patients untruths and dogmas that aren't true because of something they heard. And it's not hard to figure this stuff out in this day and age to really do a deep dive and figure out what's, what's kind of accurate, what's not. But yeah, back to what you're saying real quick, um, the bodybuilders, it's sort of like, you know, it's interesting now if you keep up with, which I don't keep up with the research that much, but like a lot of the things that the bros and the bodybuilders of the 70s did, the reasoning they had behind it may have been wrong, but the effects were real. Right. And and now they study in some of that going, yeah, there's actually validity to what they were doing. Maybe they weren't right in their minds about why it worked the way it did. But you know what? That doesn't matter. doesn't matter with the why necessarily if, you're, if your goal is to achieve an effect. And I do this to get this effect and it works. It's like, what's wrong with that? I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't always have to have a story to explain why that happened that way. So, well, you know, not to go too far down this, this rabbit hole, but just what you were saying around generally, you know, medical doctors' educations is like, and it's probably the same for, for your folks since we're the same age. But like, according to my parents, if you're a doctor, you know, everything that there is to know about everything in the world. <laughs> 
yeah. right? Because you have a medical degree. Yeah. And I think that's frustrating. It's certainly frustrating as, you know, a nutritionist, as a health coach, whatever you want to call it, of someone who's spent their entire life studying in, in, in academia um, to then have clients who are getting uh, conflicting information from their medical professional. You know, just as an example, I just had a client who I spoke with the other day and he is on testosterone replacement and he switched, he just switched to a new PCP and his PCP said, you know, you need to be cognizant that testosterone replacement, it will contribute to prostate cancer. Wow. Right. Which we know is, is completely True. false. And, right. um, and so it's, you know, it's those types of things though, that are very problematic in my opinion with, yep. Uh, you know, medical practice. And I think it's important for people to understand it's like, just because someone has a medical degree doesn't mean that they're an expert in nutrition and an expert in exercise and an expert in hormones. And it's like, right. you know, you obviously get that. And, uh, you know, how much of your knowledge around nutrition and training and, and hormones has come, like you said, from your medical degree? A few principles from maybe pharma pharmacology and pharmacokinetics. That's the other thing that blows my mind. Like, Okay, so a doctor goes and prescribes somebody a testosterone shot every two or three weeks. They go fill that prescription at the pharmacy. Does the pharmacist catch that? Because they should know better, right? They should know the half-life of testosterone cypiate. Yeah, right. go, you know, this isn't really the right way to take this. They don't. That's the mind-blowing part because any other medication, they would pick it up immediately. That's how bad it is with the stigma against hormones, especially testosterone, that we have this massive hill to climb when it comes to that. Yeah, it's so frustrating, man. Like I could go off on a soapbox about what you just said, the, the amount of patients that come in, especially as a urologist when I was doing that, and I hear it every day, you know, my primary said, I've got to stop testosterone because it's going to do X, Y, Z. Or my cardiologist said, I have to stop testosterone because it's going to give me a heart attack. Yeah, cardiovascular just, disease, yeah. cancer. I'm like, you know. it's all been, it's all false. It's like, they've even studied this stuff now. There's meta-analyses on cardiovascular health and TRT. There's there's studies on prostate cancer. Like I had guys with prostate cancer on surveillance on TRT. Like they're fine. In fact, their PSAs improve because their health improves. Like it's just all this dogma, but yet people still repeat whatever they heard somebody say. And doctors are some of the worst at that. So going back to the expert part, and you know this as well as I do, like there are experts. We're all in this these fields, yet we're all experts and yet there's divergent beliefs about all kinds of things. So when I talk to patients and same thing for anybody going to a nutritionist or whatever, you kind of have to educate yourself the best you can because how do you judge which expert is right if they disagree? Yeah. You have to have some criteria. And this is with anything in life, whether it's a preacher, whether it's a teacher, whatever it is, try to educate as best you can so that you have some kind of standard to judge what somebody's telling you. It's an electrician, a plumber. I mean, cause totally. they're going to come, you know what I mean? Same thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I so appreciate that approach. It's like, you have to be empowered to take ownership over everything in your life, but yes. especially your health. And it's like, we, it's the same thing I was just talking about with my parents is they completely relegate and absolve their ownership over their health to their doctors and say, well, my doctor said to take this pill and this pill and do this. It's just just the, the ridiculousness of the stuff is, yeah. it's insane. So you obviously were in a position with your conventional practice, you know, with your medical practice where um, you said you had been observing just a tremendous amount of mismanagement in line with the conversation that we're having right now. And so 
I, you know, what kind of prompted you to get out and, and, and start your own thing? Man, there were so many things like, I'll just say, I never had that deep passion for urology. I knew it wasn't, I mean, I liked it. I liked some of the surgeries we did, but overall it wasn't my passion. My passion was always hormone health. It was always health. It was always nutrition. It was relationships with patients. It was getting to know people. You don't, you cannot do that in a mainstream medical model. You just can't, you're, you're being forced to see X number of patients and they're running them through. We're pulled six ways from Sunday with every kind of insane, you know, you can't even focus on one patient because there's the ERs calling your surgical patient from yesterday is bleeding. Like, and then the insurance company's wanting this and that. And then there's a patient cussing out the front desk girl. And you're like, I I can't, I can't do this. Like, and it's, it's, that's your life. And for my wife and I, it just became uh, more anxiety. And and we were just angry people, but we didn't, it was sort of like the frog in the boiling water, right? You don't realize it till you're really there. That alone was enough. But then the, you know, last three or four years with everything that kind of happened with whatever um, mainstream medicine and the beliefs people have about things and what they would do just by being told what to do. I really didn't want to be part of that system anymore at all. I just didn't. I don't want my name attached to it. I just I wanted I want us to be something different. And, you know, we are we're we're different in a lot of ways, even from standard TRT or hormone clinics, like because I have a very different philosophy. And, and I go to, you know, butt heads with a lot of those guys in those um, clinics or groups, you know, whatever. I've been kicked out of a few Facebook or TRT groups just because I ask questions, you know. Yeah. The, the, the craziest thing in the world for me, and I've always kind of known this since I was a kid, I guess, is when you ask somebody, how do you know that? And they just respond with an ad hominem or some kind of crazy response and can't even tell you. That's a red flag, but that's common in this space and in every space. But I don't ever want to be that person. I don't want to make positive claims that I can't back up. Um, and so that's where we're trying to tease through this and go just figure out like, what are we doing? What works? What keeps people healthy? Like, and do I need to tell you a story to make up why it works? No, I just, I can just tell you this works for some people. You may want to try this trial and error. Labs aren't the end all be all. That's another one that drives me nuts is the, this focus on lab work. Like we're just simple machine that you can plug in a diagnostic port. It doesn't work like that. Um, that's a whole nother rabbit trail. It's a very philosophical discussion. If you really want to get into the validation of labs, how do you know they mean what you say they mean? And, and a lot of people don't even think about that stuff. And so for yeah. me, I'm just kind of trying to to go a different route with that and at least get those conversations going. It's It's funny because it's like every single one of these conversations I have with with people on the show invariably you know the answers always come down to just the nuances and it depends on this that and the other and it's what's the biggest differentiator between truly trying to get to the root cause of something uh, around someone's health and just you know having a blanket diagnosis and prescription and it, it is certainly as frustrating that it's it happens um, in conventional medicine, but it also happens in quote unquote alternative or holistic yeah. medicine from a you know a naturopathic perspective, yeah. from a functional medicine perspective. It's like yeah. okay, here's your list of supplements yeah. in lieu of your prescriptives, and and so I do think you know going back to kind of the person taking ownership over their health, asking questions, and then the practitioner really trying to truly take the time to understand the patient and what their life looks like. And and this kind of is prompting, you know, my next question around your existing practice 
around hormone optimization in that I work with a lot of men and, and women, but, but me personally, the clients that I have are generally mostly men, mostly like me, you know, middle-aged, mm-hmm. fairly healthy, physically active. You know, we work on improving body composition and, and ramping up energy and, and just kind of building the, the building blocks to live a long and healthy lifestyle. And we're, we're, we're coming to this point in life where a lot of them are asking this question, could I feel better? Could I have more energy? Could I be sleeping better? Could I have better libido? You know, could I be leaner? Um, I'm struggling with getting leaner. What could be contributing to that? And I'm confident that that's a lot of what you see. So kind of what are the questions that we should be asking ourselves? And, and what does that conversation look like when you have men coming into your practice to ask those? You know, that's a great question because it's so dependent on the person. Like, you get the regular Joe who's like, I had some lab work done. My testosterone was 300. What do you think? And it's like, right. okay, let's, let's dive deeper. How do you feel? What is your lifestyle? You know, you have to go through all that first. So it really is going to depend on the patient um, or I don't even like calling them patients anymore. The person and what their goals are, what their complaints are, what their symptoms are. Cause th- there's a big difference between a guy who is just in the dirt because his health is, he's not taking care of himself. Versus a guy who is kind of already optimized as much as he can and then is like, right. can, can I feel better? And I'm not saying that from like a, I need, I want to get on steroids type thing. That's not what this is about. It's sort of a nuanced position of, can I do something that's going to make me healthier and amplify my efforts a little bit more and make me have a better quality of life and feel better or not? And I have no problem with that. With a, you know, I'm Most doctors would go, because they base it on labs, they're going to say, oh, no, you're, you're normal. And so you don't need it. And it's like, that's not the point, right? Like, do you need to lift weights, right? Is that a, you know, people always say it's natural, you know, everything's got to be natural. It's like, is lifting weights natural? Like these are created by men and we do things that are not natural. I mean, if you want to be natural, go outside and lift a cow, you know, whatever. Right. So to me, that's the difference between a philosophical issue. Um, from a medical perspective, all they look at is, do you have a deficiency or not? If not, we're not doing anything. If you do, replace it to get back to this number. I see this more as a technological goal-based thing, just like we would with um, changing your diet to achieve a certain goal. Like, can we add testosterone to make you feel better, more motivated, improve body composition, improve bone health, prevent sarcopenia? Like, there is no better bang for your buck for a man, in my opinion, once he gets older, especially than testosterone. They're just not. And it's it's healthy if you do it, you know, smart. There's just nothing better. I mean, other than, and I'm talking about people that already are maximizing everything else in their life. If you're right. sleeping right, you're working out, you're doing all the right things, and then you want to optimize. So there's this optimization, right? Now, if it's somebody who's just in the dirt and they need to get everything in order, I'm happy to talk to them about that too. I do that all the time. The question is, you know, the rubber meets the road is whether they actually implement those changes. Testosterone is just going to do this much if they're not going to change their lifestyle. Right. Talked about that. I think Dave Lee talked about it at Silverback. Yeah. Um, And it's so true. You know, I see a guy coming in that's 70 and he's type 2 diabetic. His hemoglobin A1C is 12. He smokes two packs a day. He doesn't do any exercise. Is getting him on testosterone going to actually really help him at all? No. I mean, it, it may actually ramp things up to the point where his body can't keep up with with it, it may hurt him. Yeah, um, it's not the testosterone per se that's doing that. It's just his he can't do it. 
that that's kind of the conversations I have with guys is really, and I, I do love the new clinic because I have a really good intake questionnaire that I found just randomly and it had the best questions and like people will tell you anything. It's amazing. And so I get this insight into people's life because it does, it asks about their stress management, their relationship with food, their workouts, you know, their religion, their marriage, like it just asks all these things and people are very honest and that helps guide that conversation a lot. I'm sure you guys have intakes and stuff like that too when you talk to people because you do want to get this total picture of what is your everyday life like? What is going on? Because that's going to help you guide them the right way. So what what's kind of like the way we would look at it for someone? Because obviously you've got someone who's generally healthy, they're eating well, they're sleeping well, and they kind of might need that little extra step, extra boost, in which case, you know, if they can justify it from a a lifestyle standpoint, it might make a lot of sense as opposed to someone who's more metabolically deranged. In your experience, what would we look at to help determine, okay, is this the boost that they need to start to get more motivated so that they can start to implement more of the, right. have more energy, think more clearly, start strength training, like start eating healthier versus, yeah, you know, it might not be the right approach uh, if they're resistant, if, right. you know, I don't know, what would we be looking at in that context? It's not, it's not something to look at as far as like a lab, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you can get this basic lab, these big lab panels on people and you're going to see if their lipids are deranged, if, you know, if those are indicators of metabolic derangement. I, I'm not a big, you know, believer in the high cholesterol hypothesis and all that stuff, but sure. I do think those values are, are useful to show an underlying issue like fatty liver or whatever. Things that you can go, hey, you got to get these things in order. I'm also, though, not going to withhold testosterone. If it's the, the, the example I gave earlier is kind of an extreme example. If I see these guys that are mainly coming like now, like they're in their 30s or 40s and they're like, I know I need to get better shape. I want to do these. I just don't have the motivation. I right. can't get off the couch. Absolutely. We're going to get you on testosterone. We're going to start keeping accountability. I'm going to keep up with you. How, how are you doing? And as long as we keep in touch, the guys that, like I said, they have to want to do it, but most of them will. Once they, you know, once they're on testosterone for a bit, they start getting that little extra boost. If they're serious about it, their changes come pretty rapidly because of that new motivation. I think that's the biggest factor with testosterone, especially is this. It's the mental yeah. benefit and boost you get in a positive way. Um, it's not like cocaine or something, but it's just it brings out more of your who you were when you were younger, it seems like, and that and, and that drive to do things, you know, and guys tell me that all the time, like, Doc, I never wanted to even go out and fix work in my shop. And now I'm finding reasons to go out and do stuff. So they move more, they feel better, all that leads to improved health. But yeah, I, I, I would much rather get a guy, I'm not going to withhold testosterone per se, if they truly need it. And a lot of guys are like, I don't know if this is my issue, because their labs may be whatever, again, that doesn't tell you exactly what they need. I mean, if they're at testosterone's 100, okay, right. that's pretty, you know, but let's say they're this kind of no man's land, 300, 400, something like that. Their free T is eight to 10, you know, nanograms per deciliter. It's like, to me, that's low, but is that their issue? I don't know, but we just talk about it as friends. And I'm like, listen, this may or may not do this, Here's how it works. Let's do what I call it a trial of TRT, honestly. Like, and I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you get on some testosterone cream for three months, and if nothing changes at all, that probably wasn't the problem and isn't right. going to help. There's something else going on, you know, but in 99% of the cases, you know, it seems like once we get them on that and start talking about these other things and they just make a few tweaks, 
in six months, they're like a new person. I mean, it, it really is. But again, it comes down to them putting the work in. Testosterone just sort of, the way I tell them this, and I don't know if it's accurate, it sort of amplifies your efforts. Sure. You know, and so yeah. that, yeah. So that was a long-winded answer. No, it's, it was, no, I think that's that's definitely um, what I was looking for or trying to to allude to. Um, I'm curious around in your experience, you know, to date, is how often will you see men naturally increase their testosterone levels through lifestyle intervention? And that's a, I've, it's very rare that it works. I'll just say that. I have had a few guys come, they're younger and, you know, somebody checked their testosterone, they were referred to a urologist, so they come to me and I'm like, and I tell them the spiel, like, listen, you're young, you have fertility risk, whatever, like, but you, you may do better with testosterone. You may need it, but you are overweight, blah, blah, blah. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to take a year or two. I'm going to get my life in order. And some of them do, and they, they lose weight, they work out, and they come back a year or two later, and their testosterone's changed maybe 100 points. It might have gone from 300 to 400. And they still have those low T symptoms, right? Um, even though their health has improved. And so I'm like, yeah, you probably just need a testosterone too, you know? So because I think, and I, again, I can't prove this, you know, we all talk about endocrine disruption and all the toxicity in our world that's probably bringing testosterone levels and sperm counts down. And that's my biggest concern is like, you can do the best you can, but when you're, when you're, you're, it's an uphill battle against everything else, all the poisons, all the toxins. So if we can overcome that a little as well with the testosterone, to me, that's, that's worth it. And I know that's not yeah. really traditional medical answer. I don't know why it isn't, but that's how I've started looking at a lot of this. Hey guys, I want to interrupt this conversation briefly with an exciting announcement. If you're a father and struggling to lose the pounds that have crept on over the years, I understand your challenge. You're juggling a successful career, a loving family, and now you're looking to regain that energy and physique that seems to have slipped away. And that's exactly why I created PrimeFit Operating System. PrimeFit OS is a unique hybrid coaching program designed specifically for men like you. Now, you guys know me, we're not about quick fixes or impossible routines. Instead, we focus on real sustainable change through personalized nutrition and science-driven strength training, all wrapped up in a supportive community with expert guidance directly from me and my 20 years of experience working with men just like you. Imagine mastering your nutrition without restrictive dieting, getting stronger and leaner and boosting your overall energy, all without overwhelming your already busy schedule. With PrimeFit OS, you're getting more than just a cookie cutter nutrition and fitness plan. You're embarking on a transformative journey that fits into your life, not the other way around. So if you're ready to take the first step towards a healthier, leaner, stronger, more energetic, confident, ass-kicking you, join us over at PrimeFit Operating System. Trust me, guys, your family, your career, and most importantly, you will thank you for it. So if you guys are interested in getting started and want to find out more about the program, let's chat. Just head over to primefitos.com forward slash call and grab a time on my calendar. Remember, it's your time to be at your prime. I, I think in theory, it, it's certainly something that we probably could do, but with our modern day lifestyles, I mean, the way that I think about it, and, and I suppose it's different if you're seeing a, a, a man in his mid twenties and, he, you know, maybe 
relatively low amount of responsibility, um, no kids, you know, no wife, and he's got control over all these variables. It's like, yeah, that's potentially something that he could he could change probably pretty quickly again because he's still young, right. right? Pending any medical, you know, issues or anything like that. But you know, you, we start to get into our thirties. We get married. We start to have kids, right? Sleep is it's significantly impacted. Stress levels are impacted, right? And it's just sort of this perpetual increase in in responsibility and. So even for someone like me, um, which, you know, full transparency, I haven't gone down the TRT route yet, and I'm certainly not opposed to it if and when I need to. But point is that, you know, I can see this kind of, you know, for someone like me who's eating healthy and trying to sleep well, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. man, running your own business and three kids and, you know, all this stuff. It's like, I can imagine how challenging that really would be in reality to, to do something like that. Yep, exactly. And and even the young guys, that's the problem. I see these 20-somethings, like, why is it not working? And that, and so it just makes the wheels turn and go, there's something else going on. Why is why is their sperm count so low? When a lot of these guys aren't unhealthy 20-somethings. They're not fat. They're, not, they're working like normal jobs, but they look, I mean, I'm sure their diets could be better, but they work out at the gym. Like they seem to be doing the quote unquote right things in general. So it just bothers me that we're seeing more of that. Um, but no, I agree. As as we age and life stress, stress alone, I mean, just the, you know, that whole American, especially mindset, the work corporate mindset, uh-huh. um, it, yeah. it's, we get sucked into that pretty easy. And that, that alone drains people and, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, it really does. And I think we don't even really think about it because we're like, this is just what we're supposed to do. You know, we're right. supposed to work this many hours. We're supposed to do all this, this and this. But you got to take care of yourself, you know, the stress management part and the health management part. But I I have no problem sort of aiding that with hormone optimization if if it's needed and if it helps. If it doesn't help, we kind of go a different direction. And I kind of might tell them, like, listen, it's I may not be able to help you and go see somebody like you or somebody like Allie, like. That may be a better option or they need counseling. Like there's so many of this stuff, so much psychological and spiritual issues going on with people that they've never addressed and they suppress. And that that is expressed in their physical health. And so until they address those deeper issues, even taking testosterone and all that stuff is they're not going right. to be optimized. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. We've kind of joke, you know, with, with someone who's done what we do for long enough, you've worked with enough people, whether you're a nutritionist, doctor, whatever, usually the conversation and at some point ends up being, okay, you know, you're not happy in your life. You hate your job. You, you know, you're not happy in your marriage. Um, you're not surrounding yourself by the right people. You're not feeling fulfilled or living a life of purpose or, right. you know, invariably it, it really does start to come back to that time and again. And so, that's definitely a hard conversation opener. Uh, it is. It, it is. And again, that's why I like these questionnaires we're using because it actually does open that door because people are already willing to answer those questions. So it helps me kind of go, hey, tell me more about that situation in your life. Or tell me more about this stress you mentioned, you know, and or why do you have that unhealthy relationship with food that you mentioned in your intake? It's like, and that may lead down a rabbit trail. And so, yeah. you know, the counseling, you do become a counselor, even if you're not trained in it, you, you know, and that's, I think that's what, physicians end up doing that a lot too. And that's, you know, that's a big split in the road because some are really good at it and some don't have a clue how to talk to people about this stuff. Totally. Totally. We'll leave that. And I want to continue on um, talking about, you know, some of the intervention that you utilize 
Uh, I think you're pretty, pretty familiar with peptides, and I, I'd love to know how you're leveraging peptides in your business, you know, both the GLP-1 and GIP agonists, as well as, you know, other peptides for energy, for sleep, for fat mm -hmm. loss. Like, what are you kind of seeing right now? Because I feel like, you know, they're really ramping up in popularity, obviously the GIP, GLP-1, um, but what's working well for you right now? Honestly, and I, I got late in the game on the peptide thing. Not that I didn't know about them. I mean, I've known about them since I was probably in residency uh, and was interested, you know, but I, as a urologist, you're kind of like, can I go that route? Can I get outside my lane enough to do yeah. that? I did start probably last year to um, mainly the like GH secretagogues, um, you know, ipamorelin, CJC1295 would be the the most Tessie, yeah tessie is really expensive and so a okay. lot of guys once they see the price they're like i'm not gonna pay for that you know right. i know, you know jay campbell talked a lot about tessie four or five years ago um sermorillin has been around a while it's yeah. been a, that, that's been and i dabble i finally was like okay let me take some of this stuff and see what it does i do like being my own guinea pig um so i did i don't know last spring i think started taking ipamorelin and uh cjc1295 and immediately noticed how much my sleep improved. And I was like, for me, that was huge because I'm not a, I'm a very light sleeper and always have been. I'm, I, it's hard for me to shut off like my thoughts. And it just got me into this deeper zone and I'd wake up feeling refreshed. I didn't feel groggy. You know, I was like, man, this is awesome. My recovery seemed to improve. I wasn't as sore as I usually am. I mean, obviously you can't, there's so many variables. You can't really prove that one way or the other, but in general, it's, I know it helped my sleep. My wife noticed I wasn't waking up when she'd get out of bed. Yeah. So I started talking to a lot of patients about that and they would come and ask me about it anyway. So I was, I was fine prescribing that for people that really felt like they needed it uh, and, and very good feedback from it. And then, you know, lately the FDA came down with the hammer and saying, we're going to reclassify a lot of these. And so that's the problem now is a lot of the compounders are like, oh, nope, we can't, we can't compound these anymore. And so people are left going back to that gray market, you know, peptidesciences.com or one of those websites, which is fine. I have no problem. When you say, um, when you say they're cracking down, how recently has that been? It was a couple months ago, I think. Okay. Um, it was right before, it was probably October. It was before we left work. And um, I remember Amy Studdle, who owns uh, Victory Men's Clinics, she called me and was asking if I'd seen that from the FDA. And I was like, no, I didn't know about it. So I looked it up. And, you know, Rick Collins talked about it yeah. at the Silverback. And it, the thing is, they haven't made any ruling. In fact, the way they went about doing this, I don't think they even went through the proper channels. Spoke with one of the, the owners of Revive RX and um, the pharmacy there. And we talked a lot about it. And um, I think there's going to be a lot of pushback because the FDA kind of just blatantly came out and did this without going through proper channels. And they didn't make anything illegal yet. It was just sort of like a, almost like a scare tactic, I think. So that may or may not change things down the road with certain peptides. It's not everyone. It's just whatever's on their list that they don't want compounders making, you know, and right. BP157 was on there, which is another one that people love to take for, yeah, for super popular. Yeah. And I've prescribed that when people, when people ask me about it, or if they mention something and it piques my interest, I'm like, Hey, you may want to try this, not a peptide, but nandrolone, low dose nandrolone, right? DECA, quote unquote. I mean, that's old school steroid, but for joint pain, for people who want to avoid, I mean, avoid being on opioids, if they've got crippling back issues and things like that, or let's say they're cops or firefighters and they've hurt themselves on the job, but they need to function, low-dose nandrolone really goes a long way. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion, for helping people function better. Um, and I started taking that about four weeks ago uh, in low doses and I, my knees and elbows feel better, you know, and I'm like, okay, I can, 
I can enjoy my life a little more. You just got to be careful because some people respond negatively to that stuff. Sure. And if they do, we stop it. Going into the <laughs> weight loss peptides, quote unquote, I'm just, I'll just straight up tell you, I don't prescribe them. For clarity, you're talking about uh, semaglutide um, yep. and terzapatide specifically. I, yeah. I'm not a huge fan unless it's somebody that their health is in such peril. They're so obese that they need, they need something ASAP to get that weight off and get a kickstart to a healthier lifestyle. I mean, heck, in that case, they can go get a gastric sleeve for all I care because they need that that, that badly. Mm. For these guys that are 18% body fat and they're like, I want to get down to 10, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. Right. I'm just not. I'm not. I Because I've been that guy like in college going, I can't get lean. I can't get lean. And you know what I wasn't doing? I wasn't tracking my food. I didn't right. do it right. And I finally, at 36 years old, learned how to do that. And that's the discipline part. Like, And a lot of people taking these, number one, aren't really... I know some, a lot of clinics are teaching people like, here's your nutrition plan to learn how to eat while you take them. And that's fine. Like I said, this isn't really a moral issue for me. It's more just a philosophical issue on my end. The other issue from a medical standpoint is how these work. There's the textbook answer about what they're doing. There's the real world answer about what they're doing, which is delaying gastric emptying. And you're yeah. walking the full stomach all day right. to the point that some people are getting crippling nausea to the point that if you need surgery and you get intubated, and you have a liter of food in your stomach, guess what? You aspirate. Yeah. So the you know anesthetic society, anesthesia society had to come out with guidelines because so many people are now on these. They're intubating people and they're aspirating. And we had it happen twice at our hospital because their stomachs are completely full. So it frustrates me that people are kind of being hoodwinked as to how these work when it's like you're just not hungry because your stomach's full. Right. And what, is that, what does that prove? that eating less food actually does cause weight loss. I mean, that, but that, that's my thing. It's like all these people saying, I ate, I, I did diet, I did this and that, and I never lost weight. It's like, then what do you think's happening now? A hundred percent. Yeah, know? it's not It's not magically ramping up right. know, metabolism or anything. But, right. you know, I, I'm with you. And I think that it definitely can be a kind of philosophical discussion. Okay, so there's a couple of things. One is, that you know, we've got a, a myriad of clients that are on these predominantly GLP-1 agonists, so predominantly Ozempic, because I don't think terzepatide is that well acknowledged in conventional medicine yet. Right. Uh, but it certainly is is on its up and up. Yeah. Um, but the problem I have is going back to their you know earlier discussion is that there's zero guidelines around nutrition, around exercise, around resistance training, around exactly. longevity of the drug and how long you're going to be on this, right. around effective dosing. Right. And so we've got clients that are completely aloof to how long they're going to be on it, what their symptoms right. are going to look like, how to actually get in enough nutrients when they're only eating 800 calories a day. The psychological components of getting so comfortable under eating mm -hmm. and being undernourished and the concern for what happens when they do go off it and need to actually yeah. start eating real food again. Exactly. The loss of lean, I mean, you know, the list goes yeah. on and on. On the other end is the potential benefit from a, psycho a psychological standpoint of yes. helping people who genuinely have, you know, food issues, food addiction issues, kind right. of giving them that momentum to be able to resist yeah. So yeah. I, it's, I'm very, very intrigued about I, this. And I think we're learning a lot. 
Yeah. And I totally agree with you. Like I said, it's not a, it's not, a, I would never do that. It's more yeah. of a gotta be the right person. Like, so that, that's why I this, it's not a black and white, like never, you got to field out the person to figure out what their goals are, what their mindset is. Are they the right person for this? Is it going to truly be used as a kickstart, as a momentum generator to get them to where they need to be? And again, in the end, we're all adults. We have to make that decision on our own. It's just, I think based on what we're doing now, I don't want that added responsibility of adding those into patients and having to become a nutritionist and all that. I mean, even though I do know how to eat right, and I, it's just not something I want to tackle personally. I'll just yeah. be honest with you. With just me and my wife doing this, it's more of a pragmatic thing for us. I mean, I have had a couple guys who've asked, like, I've already been on this. I need to do another another four weeks and I'm done. And I'm like, sure, fine. Here you go. You know, and that's fine. They're, but they're already, I trust them because I know them. And so I know what their goals are. And so it really is individual dependent, in my opinion, based on like you're saying. Um, but I do, I do worry sometimes about what else is it doing in the body? If, if you're truly delaying gastric emptying with these, is it doing other things we don't really know yet? And I worry, I worry about that a little bit. But again, I'm not the, I'm not the police when it comes to that. I, mean, I take, I've taken stuff that I know is not healthy for me, right? Even if it, you know, it's all risk reward. We all have to decide, okay, if I take this, I know this may be the risk, but the rewards may be here. I have no problem with that. You know, that's why yeah. I hate, the, I hate the government telling people what they can and can't take because we're all, you know, responsible for what we put in our bodies and, and what that does. I mean, people decide they want to drink, drink a glass of wine a night, great. Or they want to drink six glasses of wine, whatever. You just have to understand the consequences of going those, you know, different routes. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think people need to do their due diligence and yeah. again, exactly. just take responsibility for the decisions and understand yeah. it's like you can find whatever it is that you're looking for. Right. Um, it's up to you, you know, whether you want to take it, but you got to take responsibility for it. And don't act like you didn't know that there were consequences to literally everything that we're doing, yeah. even testosterone. Yeah. Yes. You know, so yeah. yeah, I think that's the most important thing again, is just like, just the, the, the nuances here are so profound. And that's part of why, you know, we're having this conversation and why I want to bring people like you onto this show to educate our, our listeners is so that they can actually be somewhat informed. Because even within the, the, the experts, you know, that I have on the show, there's differing opinions. And oh. so that's, you know, the beautiful thing about, I mean, we live in America. We, you know, right. we yeah. it's a democracy. You get, you get to choose kind of what you decide to do for the most part. So yeah. I would love to kind of uh, shift into um, some of the uro, uh, urology aspects. More specifically, I do have some questions around hydration and kind of urination frequency. In your experience, being someone who's clinically trained as well as understands more progressive approach to, I'll call it progressive, but understands more real nutrition and exercise mm -hmm. and I'll say general health, mm -hmm. kind of what should we be looking at in terms of hydration? Um, electrolytes and then how does that impact urination frequency specifically nighttime urination like maybe you could walk us through that pathway yeah and we don't get that's what's so funny is there's no focusing in medical training on hydration proper hydration with electrolytes i mean that's literally something i'm just now become important to me, honestly like i've actually finally started adding electrolytes to my gym water you know and i, I yeah. had been doing that because it's not something I feel like there's, I don't know, maybe I've just missed it. We were never taught anything I'm about I'm sure it. there's not. Yeah, it's crazy. And so I'm actually like ignorant on a lot of that. And I'm learning as we go to see how important, uh, especially adding electrolytes is just for true hydration, which you, I know theoretically based on, you know, what fluid shifts and the osmolality and everything of the blood. But 
putting it into practice is a different matter. But when it comes in general to urinary frequency and nighttime frequency, it's so, oh man, it's all over the map. Like, you know, we would constantly get referrals for nocturia, which just means getting up at night to go to the bathroom, right? Yeah. Uh, excessively. And that's very subjective because some totally. people think they shouldn't get up at all to pee at night and that that's too much. It's like, well, actually, on average, one to two times at night for a lot of people is actually normal, especially as you get older, you make more of your total 20, daily 24-hour urine at nighttime. So if you see an 80 or 90-year-old person who's getting up at night three, four, five times, but they're not having any other symptoms, why they're not straining to pee, like they don't have any prostate-type symptoms or no daytime frequency, you do a voiding diary and you see how much urine they're actually making at night and you can kind of know, okay, you have nocturnal polyuria, meaning you just make a lot of urine at night. Now, could that be from drinking fluids up to bedtime and yeah, then right. they keep a glass right next to their nightstand. So anytime they do get up, they down another glass and I'm like, well, then don't, don't you understand that's why you're peeing? I mean, I, I, I'm not knocking people, but it's amazing how so many people don't actually put that together that. They're drinking fluids up to bedtime and throughout the night, and they wonder why they're getting up to pee. And yeah. so we have to like counsel them like, that's normal, right? You, if you cut back on those fluids, that may get better. Nocturia in a man with also some other symptoms, though, like a little bit of daytime urgency, a little bit of weak stream, straining, you know, dribbling when they're done, that could indicate more prostate-related issues. If there's not the obstructive symptoms, they may have just urgency. They got to go like that. Like it just hits them and they got to go. Then you're looking at more like the overactive bladder type thing or diabetes, you know, which goes along with overactive bladder sure. quite often. Diabetics uncontrolled are going to make more urine because of the glucose spilling and pulling yeah. fluid with it, you know. So we all know that. But it's so individual. Again, you have to take a proper history and do a proper physical and voiding diaries are really beneficial. It's something my wife did more than I did because she saw females all the time in urology clinic and they very frequently have complaints of urinary frequency and, and getting up at night and all that. And so she would do these voiding diaries all the time. And those can tell you a lot of information. And it's, it's enlightening to people when they actually look at them because they have to track just like tracking calories. They track right. what, what they drank, how much, and then when they're urinating and you can start putting that together so people can see that. Um, I think, though, most people are actually underhydrated. I mean, based on the voiding diaries I had seen a lot of times is because we did them in uh, kidney stone patients. You know, we'd always try to see how much fluid they're actually getting in during the day. And they'll tell you one thing. They'll say, oh, no, I drink I drink plenty of fluid or I drink water all the time or, or whatever, Gatorades or whatever they're drinking. But then they do a voiding diary on a normal day, like at work for two days in a row. And you look at it and go, you're not getting anything and your urine output is less than a liter a day total. And, you know, yeah. so I think, I think that's where the hydration part really comes in because I do think most people are chronically dehydrated. Well, we see that quite a lot with people and just their water intake of just starting to track their food. Also their water intake is like, yeah, I had two, you know, 16 ounce bottles today. I'm like, yeah, you're 200 pound male. Like, exactly. you know, you need to be drinking well more than that. But yeah, I, I think, um, you know, understanding that nighttime urination is normal and getting up, like I heard you say one to two times a day, because I've heard multiple times that it's like, no, you should be sleeping straight through the night for eight hours. I'm like, dude, I've never slept through the night in my life. Um, yeah. I usually get up multiple times yep. uh, to go to the bathroom, but I also drink a ton of water. Exactly. Or if you eat a heavy, uh, heavy carb meals before bed in the evening, like anything that has a lot of water content, people don't think about that. They're like, are you eating a ton of fruit? Are you eating a watermelon before bed? You know what I mean? Like there's so yeah. many little things. 
The other thing you have to think about with getting up at night to urinate is lower extremity edema. If people hold fluid in their legs, during, especially during the daytime when they're upright, when they go down to lay flat at night, all that fluid gets goes back to the heart mm. and it goes to the kidneys and they make a lot of urine. So that is one mm. of the number one factors we would see is um, lower extremity edema. And you ask people, do your legs swell during the day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They swell bad. I'm, okay. So there's, a, there's an indicator. The other thing was I going to say sleep apnea. People with untreated sleep apnea generally have nocturnal polyuria. They make more urine at night. You know, the theory is that, you know, atrial natriuretic peptide is released from the heart because it senses it's sort of in danger. And so that is a diuretic and makes you pee. And so sure enough, when you get people on uh, CPAPs, a lot of times that, that does go away. Sort of a chicken or the egg thing because it's like it could just be, you know, in general, when we get woken up at night, let's say we normally are sleeping and don't get up to pee. But if you get woken up, you will go pee. Like if I'm on call or when I was taking call, I could have gone to bed at 10, get called at midnight. And I'm like, I got to pee. But normally right. I'd sleep through that. So I think some of that's also the apnea when people are getting woken up, uh, they will go pee as well. It's sort of just a natural thing to do when you've been sleeping a couple hours. So, but those are some things to think about for sure. And, and then lastly, uh, and we'll start to wrap it up, but lastly around the electrolytes, do you, I mean, in your experience, is there anything particular that people should be looking for? Because we've got you know, some with really high amounts of sodium, we've got some yeah. with more potassium, magnesium, you know, so just, just doing general sea salt, like there's so many, it's become so popular. I think it might be a little bit confusing. It is confusing. It's confusing for me, honestly. <laughs> okay, fair yeah. I mean, really, and it's something I've never gone, let me go look at research papers on elect, proper electrolyte supplementation. And I haven't, I kind of go with anecdotal, what guys tell me, like, you know, I balanced, I finally added a little more potassium because they're, they're heavy salt eaters like I am. And right. they, they add the potassium and blood pressure improves. Frequency urination goes down. Like their hematocrit goes down, in, indicating that they're better hydrated, you know, intravascular hydration. That's, that was a big light bulb moment for me was just, but you got to be careful with potassium, right? You really right. do. Uh, especially if they're on certain medications that might, you know, cause issues with that uh, ACE inhibitors. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, I think that there's an advantage to to putting some aspect of sodium, potassium, magnesium in your water. Like theoretically, right. it makes a lot of sense, right. especially with like, listen, you know, we want to be drinking clean water. So likely shooting for some filtered reverse osmosis water, but that strips all the minerals. So we've got right. to replete the minerals so right. that we can get the the actually get the fluid into the cells. And so whatever you guys are doing for those that are listening is is probably just does make sense to put something in the water, especially if you're drinking water, you know, bottled water and or filtered water, which again, you should be, in my opinion, to, to get rid of the chemicals, which exactly. goes back to just the original uh, portion of this conversation around things that we can do to help optimize our hormones. And it's minimizing our exposure to environmental toxicity because we are being absolutely bombarded. Yep. And so it, it does become a requisite there. Uh, Dr. Grant, dude, thank you so much for your time. Um, great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Where can people find out more about you? Our website is granthormone.com. It's just sort of a basic plain website, just so people can kind of contact us if they want or interested. Um, I'm part of a Facebook group called TRT and Hormone Optimization. That's a fantastic group. We try to stay very evidence-based, try to get people to support their claims if they're making them, you know, things like that. And there's a, a YouTube page uh, by the same name that Stephen uh, DeVos owns. Yeah. And um, it's great. I think there are tons of free content. Like my goal on that, and I can't speak for everybody else, but I think I can. Um, 
our goal is to educate not just patients, but other providers to maybe start looking at things a different way, being a little more open, going down rabbit trails with evidence to see, you know, is what I think actually true? So just we, but mainly for patients, like to be educated so that when they do want to try to go to a primary care and talk about testosterone, which I think is a terrible idea, but at least they're armed with information so that they're not going to get hoodwinked by some false claim. And so that just like with you, with what you're doing, with what we're all doing, we got to encourage people to be educated and arm yourselves with knowledge. And I know that's kind of tricky because then, well, how do I know what's accurate and what's not? And you kind of got to go learn how to read papers and things. And But you can often tell when somebody truly does know what they're talking about versus those who don't. So people can start weeding through some of that, at least on their own. But anyone that knows what they're talking about is it's usually just going to keep saying it depends on so many extenuating factors um, instead of just giving a a one-off answer. This is the way it never is just one way. No. Especially with human health, right? Exactly. I mean, we're such complex organisms. You can't even really do true science on a human body. You can't control every variable but one. You can't do it. It's the same thing when you're looking at research for exercise science and all that and doing weight training. I mean, you do the best you can and you try to see patterns and you get the bell curves. But it's like, in the end, I always tell people this, you're you're an N of one. You, You know, a bell curve is a bell curve, but everybody's an individual on that. And so what works for this person over here obviously didn't work for that person over there. And you just got to figure that out. Who's who and what works for them. If a guy feels great on once a week testosterone injections, great. If they need daily, great. You know what I mean? Like there's so many, so much variability. I think as long as you have general principles, and this is in life, whatever we're talking about, if your principles are kind of in order, the particulars will kind of work themselves out because yeah. you have that guideline to kind of at least somewhat direct you on where to go. And then you still got to be willing to go, well, that didn't work. Let's try this and see what happens. Cool, man. Awesome. Uh, 100%. All right. Enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Yep. Um, for yeah. those of you listening, I'll have Dr. Grant's info in the show notes. I'll have the TR, uh, TRT group he mentioned link in the show notes as well. Um, and, and just curious, like, how do you take clients? So right now, people are really just reaching out uh, through the website. There's a contact. Do you do button. telemedicine? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. So telemedicine for Texas residents. Out-of-state patients have to come in person. I'm pretty lenient on the frequency of that. Got it. Um, and so I do have quite a few guys. I mean, this week I've seen four or five from out-of-state. Um, cool. Seeing one today. So, But telemedicine for Texas residents is generally the bulk Beauty. of yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate awesome, man. you. Reach out yeah. to Dr. Grant, you guys, if uh, you've got any further questions and, or let me know if you have any further questions. I uh, appreciate you listening. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening, and if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. 1. Grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. 2. Join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. 3. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple.